As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic brings you every sports story that matters, now for just $1 per month. Of course, I'm a hockey fan, so of course I love reading the national perspectives of Pierre Lebrun and Scotty Burnside. Of course, I love the eternal optimism of hockey prospects, so the great Corey Prawman brings us that. But I also love my Cleveland Browns. Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd are my lifelines now that it's NFL season, and I feel like Joe Posnanski's Monday morning perspective. There are a lot of days where I need that. I also love really, really important journalism from such great writers as Katie Strang, Nicole Arbach, Dan Robson and others, don't miss this exclusive, in-depth, and unprecedented coverage. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, and the storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash front and nationwide, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 per month. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash front and nationwide and receive an all-access subscription for $1 a month. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletic's dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Allison, it is September 17th. It Normally, is. training camp would be two days deep right now. Eh, it'd be no. starting today or tomorrow. We'd still be in Traverse this week. Well, this week. We would be home Wednesday, though. And this is oh. now Thursday. Time is weird yeah. and flying. Time yeah. is an irrelevant concept. It hasn't. Been. Yeah. Today would have been media day or what have you. Tomorrow may have been yep. the start of camp. There'd be a preseason game Saturday. And yet what's sort of starting to percolate now for a lot of these teams is the N 
NHL draft, which is just three weeks away. Yeah, it's going to be the October draft this year. Uh, How weird is all of this? But here it goes. So one of the things we're trying to uh, get get accomplished in this season is to celebrate the 20th year of the Blue Jackets. And I kind of feel for the team, to be honest with you, because who knows when this thing's going to start. Who knows if they'll be able to bring back players through from, from previous year's teams. Um, who knows if they can have fans in the building. I just You wonder what kind of 20th year celebration this can be. But um, many, many things and you've seen a story a couple stories already we teamed up with michael russo uh, to talk about the expansion draft 20 years after the fact um the 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 first draft um how how pivotal a silly coin flip was how goofy that coin flip was falling off the table and having to be redone oops um but so we thought this week we would go in and we had a story published yesterday ranking the blue jackets 20 drafts they have drafted 20 times of course they're going into their 20th season but they had a draft in advance of their first season um and so we wanted to go I, it, people are are responding to it um quite a bit the story that was posted yesterday and and it is an interesting story drafts are so fun anyways especially in hindsight especially when you're not the one picking um allison your thoughts on the 20 uh, ranked drafts and was there anything in there we'll go through a few of them here was there anything in there that made you go what is he talking about well i mm, we'll wait as we go through we'll see oh these things percolate okay they, these things percolate as we go yeah, I, I do yeah. i will point out that and we'll get to this i know but as egregious oh as we can look at shoot now i'm getting my ears all screwed up here because there's so many. Uh, as egregious as 2013 may, might feel, yeah. There, there's the evolution of that into sod, which becomes Panarin. For sure. For sure. So yeah. I thought that yeah. was it. Now, yeah. And my thought was at some point you have to limit this to just players you picked, right? And I think sure. we mentioned we mentioned that um, Dano became yep. part of the sod. So Correct. you can roll some of these guys into – but yeah – and and you know what the other thing too that I think is important to keep in mind as we as we go through this, who's good at the NHL draft, Allison? Who's like awesome at it? Nobody. Uh, well, that's not true. Let's think about no, this. Nobody's awesome. Go back and look at even the best teams. You go, oh my god, really? It's hard. Well, it's no hard, sure, but but there's okay. Flip of the coin. There are some teams that are objectively bad at it. Yes, but I think the gap. You're right, and then Detroit went through a stretch where they were pulling guys out of the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round where you went, whoa, five years later. Um, but it is it, it is a tricky, tricky business. Now, sure. Some of these drafts by the Blue Jackets, you go, okay, no excuse for that. None. Right. Um, right. Oh, 2004, let's just start with this one. Let's go. 2004, it's a bad draft. It's a bad yes. draft, period. I don't just mean by the Blue Jackets. It's a it's a bad field of players. They made 12 picks. None of them played 100 games for the Blue Jackets. But like the, but there there was a great nickname that came out of that. Or a catchphrase, I guess we should say. I mean, yeah. really. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Get some, clit some. 
Yes. Ah. And if I if I may tell a story that's a little off color, you know the story, mate. Should yes. I? Please. Okay. Please. Um. So this is O four, and technology then wasn't what it was. Grant Clitson, by the way, was the was the Blue Jackets draft pick. A delightful um, guy. Very nice. He was, yeah, and a pretty damn good player at times. 271 yes. overall, ninth round pick. So the it's they don't even have nine rounds anymore. So it, go, it used to go on a lot longer than it than it than it does now. Um, but you would walk up, you would walk up to a league employee at a computer. You would say, This is the player I'm going to pick. She would write the name down if it was a difficult name. Type the name into essentially the central registry and make sure that this was a legal player to be drafted. Okay. And then if it was, you would get the green light, and then they would say, Columbus, go ahead. And Columbus would say, with the 271st overall pick, the Blue Jackets select Grant Glitzum. Anyways, he writes the name down and hands it, a head scout for the Blue Jackets, writes the name down and hands it to the NHL employee, a, a, a lovely woman. And she looks at it, and she says, ah, thinks he's joking around, playing a joke <laughs> on her. Um, yes. I don't even want to say his name, but she says, oh, how dare you? And he says, no, 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 that's really his name. That's his name. Like, really? Anyways, it's a goofy name. The nickname I like that's actually really clever, that it was given by a member of the press and stuck, is Red Stripe. Because if you've ever had a Red Stripe beer, I hope you've had one in Jamaica, it's about four inches high and about, about eight inches around. Amazing. Um, it's stubby, and so was Greg Clitzum. Yes. Anyways, the Blue Jackets in 04... This is this is in my mind their worst draft. They wow. traded down from number four to number eight. They picked up okay. a second round pick, number fifty six. Normal years, you'd say that's pretty good. Although to go from four to eight, I may want more than number fifty six. But anyways, um, that's a terrible trade in this draft because it's a bad draft, and most teams seem to know it was a bad draft at the time. Uh, the Blue Jackets trade out of a spot where they could have taken. Hope you're sitting down. Andrew Ladd or Blake Wheeler, who, by the way, is still a hell of a player. Yes. And they ended up taking Alexander Picard. Picard played 67 NHL games, had zero goals. He may have two points. And again, 12 picks. None of them played 100 games for the Blue Jackets. Klitson played 93 for the Blue Jackets. Um, You know, not that they could have taken Malkin or Ovechkin and not that they were even in the same division as those two teams, Pittsburgh and Washington at the time. But that's who those teams got then. That's who those teams have still today. And I have no idea what Alexander Picard is doing. And there's nobody left from that from that draft. Well, you know, please console the Blue Jackets. (laughs) That's like that's going to be the theme for like the first how many years as we go through here as we go through here Aaron. yeah as we go through here and a, a, a memory and not all of this was in the uh, the lingering memory section of this one but um, a writer from the hockey news was doing a story on how bad the draft was how thin the talent pool was that year and Doug McLean former general manager of the Blue Jackets uh, former president of, of the Blue Jackets yeah he says uh, he boasted he liked to boast on occasion Allison. And he put his hand in his belt loops, as he often did, and sort of leaned back and said, we have our third line left winger for the next 15 years. And the reporter says to him, not shitting on his comment or the pick, says, is that what it's come to, eh, Doug? Taking third liners in the first round. And what he meant was, that's what it's come to this year because the talent pool is low. That's not how Mr. Doug McLean took it. 
and what followed. This happened a few times, more than a few times at the draft, which just should be a happy weekend for teams. He fucking erupted. Kaboom! Uh, per- getting personal. How dare you, you son of a bitch. Blah, blah. It was... It was quite the scene. Anyways, Alexander Picard was a left line, or it was a third line left winger, uh, but he peaked in Syracuse, and that's that's a rough one. We're we're gonna go from top, we're gonna go worst to best, and work our way to the middle so that it doesn't just seem like an absolute bludgeoning here, because there is some good news here. You should um, you should you should have asked Doug to come on the show. I'm sure he would love to discuss this. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Since I think he's, he's probably returned. busy. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while since he's returned a call. Now, this was a tough one for me because there were a, there were a few picks. Um, I To me, and the one that landed at number one is the 2015 draft. Um, when they drafted from the same draft, Wierenski, Gavrikov, oh, and Nudavara. Such a good draft. So sneaky. That's what makes it really good, too. It's exactly. sneaky. Exactly. And the draft is still being realized. Like I, I don't right, think right, Kevin right. Stenland's going to be a stud top six defenseman or centerman, but he looks like he can play at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabriel Carlson looked like a like like he was lost the last couple of years. In this most recent year, apparently people in Cleveland said he took some major strides forward. So it's not out of the question that those two guys could elevate. But to get two top four defensemen, Wierenski, first of all, to get Wierenski at eight, hell mm-hmm. of a pick. To get Wierenski and Gavrikov, two of your top four, probably for the next several years, and to get Marcus Nudavara, for sure a third-pair guy, there's a lot of teams that would love to get half of their defense in one draft. No question. And fun fact, I think we've talked about this before, it is in part that pick that led to Zach Wierenski wearing number eight when he came to Columbus. He wore 13 at University of Michigan, which obviously was taken, and part of his switch logic was the draft pick that he was selected at. So there's there you your go. fun fact there. How about that? But no, I, I mean, this, this, this is the kind of stuff that makes an organization look good at drafting is when yep. you say, you know, no one was like, oh, you know, they got, of course they got that guy. And then like you said, however many years later, th- three just really, really solid. And I, I you know, you, Nudavar has had it off year, like you said, but I yeah. still think he's quite good as well. And he's also yep. in the mold of, of the new the new type of NHL defenseman. And and that sure. that that model wasn't realized at this time yet either. So right. quite prescient picks uh, by the Blue yeah. Jackets. Now the one thing that made me consider bumping this one down to two is the fact that they traded up to get Gabriel Carlson. And he has yep. been Oh yeah, that was crazy. Perf- he is he has not performed as you would want a first round pick to to perform. He was he was taken late in the first round. Um yes. Remember, we all ran back there. We were like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, and and I remember also thinking, "Well, he's listed six foot five. God, he looks like he's six eight. Yeah, because he was so thin." But yeah. the picks they gave up to move up to take Carlson, they traded thirty four and sixty eight. And again, which he would have. Yeah, go ahead. Go. Ahead. <laughs> you can kill yourself doing this, but player available thirty four, Sebastian Ajo, the right one. A player available at 68, Anthony Sorelli, right? So, well, eh, and no guarantee one, they take either of those guys. But And one could suggest, I, I think the biggest frustration that night, what stunk is because it happened right at the end, it kind of left a sour taste um, in, in people's mouths who, who follow the team. And if you're picking him at 29, do you really think he's not going to be there at 34? Like, really? Do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the answer to that is yes. You don't think he's going to be there at thirty four? Well, but come on, you don't give that up. I mean, I mean, but yeah, I just, I, yeah. I mean, they were obviously. I think this is a case where if you ask them now, I bet they had Gabriel Carlson much higher than twenty ninth. Like much sure, higher. but every, probably I mean, top fifteen. Yeah, I just I, I didn't see anyone anyone agreeing with the move yeah. at the time. Is, right. is I guess my my perspective. And who knows if they take Ajo thirty four? Oh my God, you, what a draft that would be! But the, so the twenty fifteen draft happened um, about six months before they swung the, the Seth Jones trade. So yep. you see the strength of this team now in Columbus. And certainly Seth, the Seth Jones trade, Brian Johansson to Nashville straight up was a huge part of it. But the 2015 draft, it doesn't happen without that either. That, that's This is how, this is example number one of how the draft for an organization like Columbus, you can't have those years where you take 12 guys, none of them play for your organization, or none of them are flipped for studs either. Um, it's just devastating. And then, then, then you've gone on an entire year. And this has been my beef. You go through all of these years, the seasons of suffering, as they did in the early years of the franchise, and you get nothing for it. It's all in vain because you yeah. botched the draft so badly. That, that's yeah. the stuff that just – and then it goes on and on. Um, all right, back to the misery section of our conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, number 19, worst Blue Jackets drafts, um, uh, ranking the Blue Jackets drafts, top 20. Uh, in 2005, let's just call this draft missing Kopitar. Um, they mined four NHL players out of it, um, but really they got one guy, yeah. Gilbert Brule, who went on to play for some other teams but was never never the player they anticipated him being. Adam McQuaid, who refused to sign with the Blue Jackets. Uh, McLean was, was fired. McQuaid was traded actually by Jim Clark, who was working in in um, Doug McLean's stead because Doug had been fired and Scott Housen had not been hired yet. And Chris Russell were all in it. It was an NHL player as well, but most of his games have been spent elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. But one player they got out of that draft um, in 05, uh, despite picking at, you know, at sixth in each round, was Jared Bull, who – Became a fixture in Columbus, and this is no slight to him. Played 579 games, franchise record for penalty minutes. Um, but when you have this draft and you have the opportunity to draft some of the players that they had on the board, um, boy, that's just oof. That's just hard to stomach. And Allison, tell us who they missed on above well, all else that could have transformed this organization. I've written about it so many times. I'm tired of. I know. Well, and like. As I look at this, and I understand your evaluation criteria, this is the worst draft by them for me. Because here's why. So who they missed out on, and and when I've been asked to write on, you know, I've done things for other outlets before, you know, like the top five best and top five worst or, you know, whatever. This always is top of the list. They missed out on Kopitar, Ante Kopitar, and... The thing that, so A, that makes this really bad, and B, and you hint at this, B, McLean overrides his scouts yes. on the pick. Cardinal and sin. Exactly. So, so that's, I would, we're splitting hairs here, but this I would rank at 20 because th- this yeah. was just horrifically bad GMing, horrifically bad 
draft list management, and then you look at who was there, and everyone wa- everyone knew how good that player was then, and yeah. here we are. Yes, I think the reason I made I gave it the edge over the the uh, 04 draft where no no players really made it or developed into players uh, is because they actually landed well sure four and three long time NHLers. Now they right. didn't realize it, but the draft the drafting itself we're splitting hairs here. Um, but yeah, so you could you can certainly make the argument. Hell, you can make the argument about the 03 draft, which is coming up on number 18 when we get back to that end of the draft. Because oh my god, did they miss talent in that draft where everybody else got rich? Well, exactly. Um, That's that uh, again. I see why you made the decision you did, but for me, yeah, the organizational commentary in this and the the talent lo- the the talent they did get doesn't make up for just how awful the process and the pick was yes. and, and 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 you've written on this before too it's actually c- quite the the jackets have struggled to get into the upper echelon of of the draft picks yes. right and so yes. again such a wasted opportunity but I, this and, is 20 for me this is 20 yeah and if okay and if you if you can just close your eyes, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, mm. and think of the centers that they milled around Nash to try to to find him a center that could make it. I even put freaking Jaredev there for a short time when Hitch was here. Like yep. they could, and to to be able to put Kopitar next to Nash, you go, oh, like oh my god, that would that most likely would have been amazing. Oh yeah. Um. So, anyways, um, Doug McLean's taking some bullets here here's one where where no we're we're the second best draft in franchise history my opinion and and it's it's not so much i mean rick nash is a hell of a pick i think allison you and i could have made that pick taking rick nash it was that obvious back then how great a player he was um and the rest of the draft wasn't really that great for the blue jackets i still have a Soft spot for Ole Christian Tolfson, one of my favorite players I've ever covered. Walkham Lind- Lindstrom played most of his games elsewhere. And Lassie Pirietta was kind of a 13th forward of sorts for a couple of teams. But it's incredible now to realize that Doug McLean convinced two NHL general managers to, to allow him to move up from three to one basically for nothing. Yeah. That's incredible, and I don't, I, I can't, like I always tell people this, like McLean and I had an interesting relationship. He had an interesting relationship with everybody he covered, but there's no, and I, I kind of like the guy. I honestly, genuinely like the guy, and there's part, there's part of him, and if you've ever been in his presence, he is so damn magnetic. He is, and, and that may sound weird, but he can, he is dynamic. He is full of energy. He could sell you anything. I understand Mm -hmm. how a guy who was coaching a team in Florida, I get it. I get how McConnell fell for him and said, here's the the everything, take my organization, which is incredible. The guy goes from coach to that. Like, are you kidding me? But I get it because he was that damn persuasive. Um, And this is his best work with the Blue Jackets. Other than than getting – F and Stinger off the crest of the jersey. <laughs> this is his best work. This is his best work. Thoughts? 
Yes. I, I, yeah. You can't disagree. And, and when you look at, I mean, for many a year, Rick Nash was the one sole shining light oh, for this franchise. Yes. So, right. um, yes, agree wholeheartedly here. I mean, yeah. So he convinced Atlanta's Don Waddell, who I think was at one, to go to two. He convinced Florida GM Rick Dudley, who was at two, to go to three. They still got Kerry Lettinen, the goalie in Atlanta. Jay Bomeister fell to Florida. And and Doug McLean got Rick Nash at one. Now, the question was, well, if those guys wanted Lettinen and, and Bomeister so badly, why didn't you just stay at three and get them? Right. And so that was part of the sell with Doug was that he could convince them. Um, I'm going to get him anyways at three. Just let me go up to get him at one. He wanted to make sure nobody else could move in there because he wanted yeah. Nash that badly. But it's brilliant. It's brilliant, and I don't think in a million years you could do it today. For sure. The GM would say, listen, I, I know you want your guy. I know I can still get my guy where I want him, but I'm getting something for you moving up from three to one. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, and in, 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 in that draft, they took Lindstrom in the second round. <clears throat> Trevor Daly, Duncan Keith, Matt Stajan still on the board, but again – Duncan Keith's a, obviously a hell of a player. He's had a great career. You have those in any in any draft. Still think 2002 was a hell of a pick. Let's do one more misery, then we'll take a break. So we're splitting this right down uh, the middle, and you can sort of – you might need some time to recuperate from this next one. <laughs> um, Allison, this is number 18, so the third worst of the Blue Jackets draft. 2003, a can't-miss draft and the blue jackets missed badly uh they got four nhl players out of that draft nikolai zherdev dan fritchie philippe dupuis and mark mathot and nothing against mathot but he's the guy who had the longest nhl career of that group um zherdev had a a, 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 f- a fascinating time in columbus uh it, it just absolutely seeped incredible talent and was it was one of the honestly one of the most exciting players this franchise has ever had in terms of bring you out of the seat um but he could not get it together off the ice they ended up trading him pretty good trade Fedor Tutin among others uh Dan Fritchie had a decent career as a as a checking line bottom six grinder Philippe Dupuis played most of his games away from Columbus, but th- this is what makes it so painful. Jared have played 400 some games in the NHL. There have been worse busts than that, but the the players who went just within 10 picks of Jared have, so these guys were on the board, and it's easy to go round after round and find the best player. These guys were all right there in the conversation. Thomas Vanek, Ryan Suter, Dion Phaneuf, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, Brent Seabrook. I could go on. Those are just the guys within 10 picks of Zherdev. And this draft was loaded, Allison, where Doug McLean and others used to defend themselves against the players they took in this draft by saying, lots of people passed on Shea Weber. Right. And you'd say, well, yeah, Doug, but but Anaheim passed on him twice. But they took Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry with those picks. That totally changed the organization. Right. Um, with With... When the Blue Jackets took Fritchie, Shea Weber's on the board. Corey Crawford's on the board. David Backus is on the board. 
This this is one of those drafts. If you just go back and look at the 2003 draft, it's staggering the amount of talent. The generations, their generation is almost over now. It's 17 years after that draft, but the amount of talent in that that draft pool is staggering. And the Blue Jackets again came came up empty in one of the great drafts this league has ever seen. True story. <laughs> I have nothing to add. Yeah. yeah. And and you think about like you think about how many years this this ate them alive, right? I mean, Dustin Brown for a decade plus is a great player in Los Angeles. Ryan Sutter's had an incredible career in Nashville and in Minnesota. Just one of these guys, right? Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith. The the, the Blackhawks got Keith and Seabrook in this draft. Like that's their defense for two cups, three cups. And a decade on the ice. Um, this is really why that first decade of, of in Columbus, this draft almost by itself could have changed the first draft in Columbus. And as much as we say the 05 draft is probably what led uh, to McLean's firing two years later, this is why it was even a consideration then because they came up so empty. And Ryan Kessler, of course, from Ohio State was in that draft. Blue Jackets weren't big fans of Ryan Kessler. Liked him, liked his game. Didn't think he was a first-round talent, and he just went on to play a thousand games and have two hundred and fifty-eight goals. So, strike three. Um, let's take a break. Let's just soak that one in a little bit. We'll come back with some happy news on the other side of this. Hey, this is Craig Custis with the Athletic. Maybe you were blessed with a body that you could just pull clothes off the rack and they fit perfectly. But if you're anything like me, every shirt I buy, the arms are too long. Every pair of pants I buy, the legs are too long. I don't have the time or the money really to go and get everything I buy tailored perfectly. So I end up looking like a frumpy sports writer half the time, which isn't great. And I wish it wasn't the case. But the times when I do take the time to buy the things that fit right, you just feel better, right? You're, you're confident. You walk into a room. You don't feel like you're wearing your dad's clothes because the, the sleeves are, are down over your hands. And that's what makes Indochino so great. Indochino suits are great for wedding and for work. And they offer a lot of casual options like shirts, coats, and chinos. And right now, honestly, like that's what I find myself most attracted to. Like I, I recently made a purchase there. Even if like 80% of the press conferences or whatever I'm doing in Zoom you still want to look good. You still want to be professional. You still want things to fit and feel good about yourself. And the way it works is I booked a, some time with a virtual style consultation and took it step by step. And I was even able to personalize it. Uh, the dress shirt threw my initials on there from the stitching to the collar to what kind of material you want on the inside flap. There's so many ways to personalize it. So with Indochino, you get custom fitted suits, coats, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. And if you are getting married, Indochino is an absolute no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everybody a tailored fit. You order with ease, you get it shipped fast, no matter where you live. And with all the ways to customize, you can add a personal touch everyone will be proud to wear without emptying their pockets. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. Visit one of Indochino's showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code CRAIG 
C-R-A-I-G, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code CRAIG, to get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more. Hey, this is Craig Custance with The Athletic. My family has, I would say, a healthy obsession with water and water bottles. And we all have our own personal, like, giant thing of water that we carry around. My daughter has a, you know, one of those daily planners, and it has check marks for how much water they're drinking. Because we know when you don't get enough water and you're dehydrated, you feel lethargic, you don't feel good. It makes a big difference in your day. And with Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. We're big fans of Liquid IV in our family. When you drink Liquid IV, you have more energetic workouts, you sleep better, but it's better for your immunity, which is super important right now. You just have more energy. So Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to get to now what is, in my mind, the third best draft in Blue Jackets history. I'm calling it Brass Bonanza because he's the guy that went first. Um, this one might take some explaining, and I'm, I'll get your thoughts first, Allison. Um, if you think this one is a little high, but but the Blue Jackets got Broussard, Mason, Sestito, and Derek Dorsett out of this group. I think it's their third best draft. Where do you come in? Um, hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's definitely up there. I think because what's hard here is if you look at these players, part of the problem with these players not being massive successes in Columbus specifically is that right. they were mismanaged in terms of how quickly they were brought up to the NHL level. Um, in my opinion, before they were ready and that kind of, and then we had all kinds of issues with agents and illness right. and social media and this and that and the other thing. But no, this, this was particularly in that dearth of, of those first, those first years, this, this was a, a solid draft. You got players who played for your organization. You had, Steve Mason, who was a huge part of that first ever playoff run, if we're calling it that, but uh, playoff yep. appearance. Right. Um, right. And, you know, I think it was these players were, were hope um, for Columbus. And, and, you know, fans loved Sestito, loved Dorset. Um, Brass yeah. is still playing. Kudos to him. So, um, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah. It's a good one because I think held up against the draft itself, it's not. It wasn't a great draft. Right. And they got it. I mean, I I'll, I remember how well Derek Broussard was playing in, was it 08, 09, where he was leading rookie, NHL rookies in scoring. It was on almost a point of game clip before he messed up his shoulder. And Steve Mason's a name that generates a response in Columbus today um, based upon his last few years in Columbus. But you can't take away the fact that that's one of the great seasons a goaltender's yep. ever had in Columbus. And Called or winning. Sergei Bobrovsky's, absolutely. Yeah. Um, carried them to the playoffs, let's be honest. You look with, at that roster. With mono. He had mono, remember? <laughs> it was incredible, yeah. I remember the game in Washington where he, he almost didn't get off the training table the entire afternoon because he had such back spasms. And the Blue Jackets had like nine guys out of the lineup. And he came off the uh, table played and made something stupid like 46 saves and they shut out Washington 
when they had no business hanging with Washington. They literally, it was worse than this year where they they had like they had sickness and injury go through the team. Um, he was incredible that year. First ever playoff game or playoff uh, appearance for the Blue Jackets. As you said, it was more of a dash than a run. Yes. It was over quickly against Detroit. Um, and to get Derek Dorsett in the seventh round, that's a lot of games and a lot of a lot of standing ovations for a seventh round uh, draft pick. Yes. Interesting about that draft is the Blue Jackets. If you've ever read um, Garrett Joyce's great book about so the Blue good. Jackets, future greats and heartbreaks, read it. Yeah, they loved Phil Kessel. Yeah, uh, they loved Phil Kessel's game more than they loved Phil Kessel. Um, and if I would have, it'd be fascinating to see what would have happened in that draft had Kessel not been taken five by Boston because um, the Columbus would have had a really tough decision. Some guys like Kessel, I think I think they all thought he was more NHL ready um, than was Broussard. Uh, but, you know, and he's had a great career, Kessel has. For sure. Um, he's moved around a bit, but he's had a great career. Um, okay, Allison, we go back to the bottom of the pile. Hmm. Uh, this so this would be the fourth worst Columbus Blue Jackets draft, two thousand and one. Sad that it happened. It was their second draft as an organization. Um, they did not la- like once again. So this is the fir- this is another draft where they did not land a single impact player, despite having eleven picks. Um, they took Pascal Leclerc in the first round. That in itself was an odd pick because a year earlier they traded a second round draft pick to get Mark Denis. Now, you're, I'm all about commodities. And it's smart if you think Leclerc is, is special and you don't really need anything for your team or your immediate depth chart, go for it. They needed things. They needed a lot um, at that stage of their development to take a commodity was a strange pick at that point and of course Allison Pascal Leclerc had a star crossed uh, career in the NHL. Yes. Again, the the the, the bad drafts are are many in this time period, so <laughs> in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Tim Jackman came out of that draft. He played more games away from Columbus than he did in Columbus. Aaron Johnson was a journeyman uh for a long time, really Really good friends with Rick Nash. I was just going to say, one of Rick Nash's best friends. Yeah. They were like almost like Wenberg and, and Carlson, inseparable. And one of my favorite guys, Andrew Murray, a great guy um, who – there's a couple of funny stories with, with Andrew Murray. He got called up uh, from the minors. And this would have been before Cleveland, so I'm not sure how the hell his car would have been here. But he drove and was driving to the rink and like – it was like a 1986 Chevy or something. It was beat to hell. And he wasn't making a ton of money. And the other guys in the room were having a blast talking about his car. And I made a note of it in the note in the notebook in the Columbus Dispatch. And the next day, Murray gets called in, gets a phone call from some local car dealer who makes him a sweetheart deal. And he gets a sweet ride out of it. I'm thinking, hey, hey, Murr, like, uh, you know, what do you got here, bud? Um, nothing to the scribe. I couldn't have taken anything anyways. I was going to say. Uh, but he had, a, he had a nice pickup truck. He he moved up in the world pretty quickly. Um, and also, An- Andrew Murray was a huge uh, – Ken Hitchcock was a huge Andrew Murray fan. Why, Allison? Oh, I don't remember. Why? The big kid. Oh, heavy, heavy player. Heavy. Was, 
heavy player, heavy stick. Um, one of one of Hitch's great moments. So a little inside baseball here, but Tom Reed, you you all remember Tom? Hi, Tom. We used when he we covered the beat together. It gets a little mundane some days. We would each pick a favorite Hitch word, and the person who guessed the word that Hitch said first uh, would win. I don't know. Would pay. Would would get lunch or something. Um, and Tom's word was heavy, and he asked him an Andrew Murray question, and Hitch said heavy player, heavy stick. And in the middle of the interview, Tom turns around to me and says double word score, <laughs> to which Hitch went, "What? Do you, what? What are you guys talking about?" Um, anyways, Andrew Murray. Um, so yeah, that, I, that's, that's a rough, rough, rough draft. Once again, they pass on a local product, RJ Umberger's on the board. He went to Vancouver at 16 and they got really, I mean, LeClaire had one decent season and Columbus had tons of injuries. Um, they did turn him into Antoine Vermette, which was an awesome trade by Scott Housen. Um, but that, yeah, not a great draft. Um, so we have gone, we're going back to the happy side of the draft here. Um, the, let me just recap the 2015 draft was deemed the best draft. Warensky, Gavrikov, Nudavara, the 2002 draft in which they traded up from three to one to get Rick Nash has been deemed the second best. And the 06 draft, uh, with Derek, with Derek Broussard going in the first round has been deemed the third best. The fourth best here is, is one of the great, um, draft stories in blue jackets history. Oh. They drafted, Ryan Murray, Jonas Corposalo, and Josh Anderson. That's pretty damn good, Allison. Yes, but the no, drama. No, wait, wait. I know, I know, but yeah, but again, like okay, it's the ahead. it's the one year that the team, you know, I mentioned they didn't always have luck getting top picks, which is how you get elite talent. And yes. they finally they, they have a terrible season. They seem to be shoe-ins for the top first overall pick. They lose yeah. it to who else but Edmonton. Right. Now, granted, the organization has repeatedly said that Murray would have been their pick regardless. Um, yes, I believe them. Uh, sure, but it, but at the time, it was just another dagger. And furthermore, a year when they are so high up, and everyone knows I love Ryan Murray's game, but this was not a great yeah. draft. So No, no. And, and when they lost the lottery, you're like, oh, my God, crushing blow. I think in hindsight, and that's unfair because they were the worst team in the league by a mile that yes, year. Yes, yes. But in hindsight, because the draft was so bad and because Edmonton made the worst possible pick at one, Neil Yakupov, it doesn't ultimately really matter. The Blue Jackets, we've said this many times, I've been told numerous times, would not have taken Yakupov even right. if he fell to two. Right. Uh, now, I don't know who they would have taken if Murray went first. Um, Galchenyuk was there. Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm, Jacob Truba. Eh, some pretty good players there, although at the time it was seen as Yakupov and Murray. Um, here's, here's the really interesting thing, though. Not long before the draft, the Islanders reach yep. uh, Scott Housen, and Garth Snow goes Mike Ditka and offers him Every all, single pick. Yep. all of the Islanders' picks um, for the number two. So if the Blue Jackets would have taken that trade, they would have had the following picks. It's crazy. 4, 31, 34, 62, 65, 
six, uh, 95, 103, 125, 152, 155, 182, 185. And you know what? I wouldn't do it. I still wouldn't do it. I think it was the right call. Okay. Why? Do you agree? Um, well, the draft is awful. If you go back and look at that no, draft. No, I, I said the draft the, was – I said it was awful. It, it's awful. And you have almost a hard time finding somebody even in the 62 to 103 range where you're like, oh, he'd love to have that guy. It was a bad draft. Yeah, it was. That, and that's – but if you look you know, if you know, look at the way that teams evaluate drafts, I mean, it's it's the – and I'd have to go back and look at the valuation chart, but was was the value of the picks – was what was the better deal on paper? I don't know. But it was, it was, yeah. that's the whole, that's the whole irony of this year is that it was just a shitty draft. So. Yeah. And Garth Snow, I'm sure took that into account when he was like, we don't want any of these effing guys. Take all my picks. Um, the one thing you can say, and you're right, I think with this is if the Blue Jackets had traded out of two, they would have had four and Murray's gone. Yakupov's gone. Maybe they take Morgan Riley. Right, and I right. think you'd rather have Morgan Riley than Ryan Murray just because of his health. Well, but see that maybe I, you take that goes back to your point home. though of of at the draft, like Ryan Murray is still the better player. Yes. He's still the better player. He is. So he is. Would you trade Murray for Riley right now? I don't. I don't. I don't think I would. Actually, I would. Okay. I would. Just because of the health, not because of the just because you, you no, get I hear fifty you. games a year. I hear you. Um, okay, so back to the back to the misery end, um, and and just to recap, we have deemed the worst draft in Blue Jackets history to be two thousand four, uh, when they got basically no NHLers out of twelve picks. Uh, the second worst, believe it or not, is when they missed. And Allison thinks this is the worst one. She may have a point when they took Brule instead of Kopitar. Um, third was the year they took Zherdev and Fritchie, and they could have had. Oh, God, the players they could have had. <laughs> oh, the generational players and borderline Hall of Famers they could have had. Um, and then the fourth worst was Pascal LeClaire uh, draft in 01 when they really didn't need a goalie for the next several years. Um, and sadly, here's the fifth worst one. It was the first one they ever had. Um, and part of it wasn't their luck. It wasn't their fault. They lose a coin flip uh, to the Minnesota Wild, which allows the Minnesota Wild to pick third. Columbus picks fourth and that was a three player at the top draft and allison tell me the difference between then 2000 marion gabrick and rostislav klesla oh i mean game-changing abilities with marion gabrick no question right right and so that's kind of a kick in the teeth right out of the bat they took 11 players and really the only player who had a meaningful career was rusty klesla um can you put Rusty's – Rusty was the first draft pick in, in franchise history. Yep. Can you – what? tell me what you remember about Rusty. I think he sometimes is unfairly maligned. He was a pretty good player, a solid player. Your, um, Allison, your thoughts on the great Rusty Klesla? Yeah, I mean, and towards the end, I mean, we, we just talked about Ryan Murray. I mean, there was there was injuries more than than anything else. Right. and but, but this was a guy, too, who – I mean – it's funny because this is, I actually have an homage to this somewhere in my life that that it's kind of interesting to see people who get it and people who don't. Um, I'm not going to tell you where it is, but uh, 
he would end every interview with ringside reporter Jim Day by saying, thank you, Jim Day. It was glorious. It was just wonderful. It was just wonderful. Yeah. Oh, Rusty. And you know what? I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of Rusty because he's coming out of retirement to play a game for his hometown team. I, I talked to him. I don't know why, but. I talked to him two years ago. Yeah. I, we've been trading emails, but we haven't linked up. Um, yeah. Who could the Blue Jackets have taken there instead of Rusty Klesla? This one hurts a little bit. Because he got here eventually, but Scott Hartnell was on the board when they took Klesla. Now, to take to take Hartnell instead of Klesla would have been, ouch, uh, at the draft. It would have raised a lot of eyebrows. And I don't know where the Blue Jackets had Hartnell on their list. Was not a great skater at any point in his career. That was a concern even back then. One thing, too, is the Blue Jackets were high on goaltender Brent Cron. So if you want to lament that they took Rostislav Klesla instead of Scott Hartnell, be thankful they took Klesla instead of Brent Cron. Brent Seriously. Cron played one game in the NHL. Yeah. Scott Hartnell, and I, when he, even when he was here, I mean, Scott Hartnell is the epitome of a Blue Jacket. So that, I think that would have worked out actually quite well. But Yeah. He's, he had a great career. Yeah. Great career. Uh, so that so ends the misery. Now we have one more to go. And this is, this is the fifth best draft in Blue Jackets history. And it's a recent one. Okay. Uh, it's 2016. Yep. Buffalo, New York. Yep. There are three players in this draft, Alice, and everyone knows they're going to oh, go one, this two, was a three. Blast. This was so it's much just fun. a matter of which in which number they're going to go, which sequence. Austin Matthews, Patrick Line, and Jesse Pugliarvi. Those are the three best players. No way anybody goes uh, in, in, in any of those spots except for those three. And then who steps up to the stage and, and busts up that theory but uh, Yarmo Kekalainen. Who announced it? Was it? Wasn't it Vili? I thought it was Billy. Was it Billy Searin? I think well, you can we can look it up. I think it was Billy who did it. Yeah. The Columbus Blue Jackets select. Let me look. Right. Um, um and, well, and you forgot to add to the drama too that um uh, everyone was convinced that the Blue Jackets were gonna take the Finn because Yarmo's finish. Of course. Yes. Right. Draft. And they take Dubois. I, I I've had a hard time um capturing the sound in the crowd that day. Oh, it was fantastic. It was yeah, there were boos in there for sure, especially like five seconds later. But there were audible gasps that oh, they yeah. took Pierre-Luc Dubois instead of Jesse Pugliarvi. Yeah. And I remember the, the guys on TSN were like, whoa, there it is. Like, holy smokes, because now the draft is really interesting. Um, that took That took some – you know what? That's what GMs are supposed to do, but it still takes courage. And I've thought this many times. Um it would have been really easy for Yarmo to take his fellow countryman, Jesse Puglia-Yarvi, and nobody would have faulted him because that's the guy that everybody thought should go three. But he listened to his scouts. Yep. And he followed the guidance of his scouts. Now, he obviously liked what he saw in Dubois as well. But you go back to the, the draft about Kopitar, and that's why, you know, the, the GM takes the bullets if the scouts are wrong. But you put in place a method for what you value in players, and it's the scout's job to tell you who that is. And you listen to them. And and I have full, full marks for Kekalein. And A, they got it right. But B, he went up on that stage, and he made that pick, as he should have, but it still takes guts. And he, he got the response he did. That response has fueled... Pierre-Luc Dubois to this day. Yep. Um, how much of that do you agree with or, or all of it else? Uh, well, I can confirm that it was Billy who made the pick 
Um, I looked up the video here. Um, as I think about this now, I might actually move this draft above. I might make 12 Ooh. number three, make this draft number four, and make 06 number five. Is my new reorder because I yeah. because I think when we when we again I understand why you did this order and how you were waiting it but I think again from this from the impact player and this team needing impact players Pierre Luc Dubois is looking to be sure like one of them and the yeah. drama of it is spectacular um, spectacular and we I mean, PL has told us that you know when he's He's got some tweets saved and he's got some other posts on social media saved that he has up um, as motivation to, to continue to be the player he can be. And yeah. while not talked about yet, I, I am high on Andrew Peak, another player from this draft. And I think he can, yep. I think he can be an NHL defenseman. And so I think that that's almost gravy at this point, but I I'm, I'm moving this draft up in my personal rankings. Yeah. And so that, I mean, let me just say two things that kind of held it back a little bit. We don't know about Peak yet, although he sure. looks like he's going to be a hell of a player. Sure. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player. The other thing, too, and this is um, this might be sacrilegious in these parts. I'm glad we're not sitting next to each other. I might wheel back to Here avoid, we go. Uh, contact. It, uh, just say it. It it I will. It took it took guts to take Dubois at three. Okay. You could argue that Matthew Kachuk's been the second best player. Oh, in the here we go. No, I'm, I, I mean, if you want to give them credit for for going off board, yes, should we consider that at all? Because Kachuk, Kachuk's a hell of a player. I know it's easy to to dislike him um, for fans, but he's a hell of a player who has transformed an organization a bit. I still take Dubois though. He's a centerman. Yep. He's a cinnamon. Yeah, the booze, the gasp, the groans. It was wonderful. Um, it, it was quite a welcome to the NHL moment for, for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, but uh, the draft is, is great. And this year's draft is coming up. I believe it's October 6th and 7th. Correct. Um, and we've I've been working this week stories that we'll publish um, at the draft. Um, Blue Jackets fans will be interested to know. We're all getting old, by the way. Jeff Sanderson's son, Jake Sanderson, a defenseman. <laughs> Uh, as light, I know as he used to run around the dressing room when he was two years old. Um, he is likely a top 10 pick this year. It, sh- it will surprise no one that he's a great skater. Right. Um, and I, I don't know if this is, well, it's public knowledge on the podcast. The whole family are Blue Jackets fans, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> we should get Sanderson him on the podcast. Played for, Sanderson played for like 11 different teams. Well. Um, but uh, – yeah, Jeff Sanderson, one of the great Blue Jackets players, great skater, and uh, his son Jake is a is a really talented young player, uh, heading to North Dakota, but it's going to be an NHL guy soon enough. And another NHL connection in this year's draft, Liam Foodie's brother, yep, uh, Jean Luc Foodie, uh, will be drafted maybe late first, early second. It could be a surprise there, um, but this year's draft, I feel for these kids, just like so many other things, this time of in this time of the global pandemic, um, they're not going to get the walk across the stage moment, uh, put the sweater on, shake hands, stay, um, pose for that picture moment because it's going to be done virtually, but but uh, it should be exciting just the same. Allison, thanks so much for your time. Always. 
We went through the five best and the five worst Blue Jackets draft. You, you can see all of those uh, spelled out, plus the uh, the mushy middle, if you want. Um, that story was posted yesterday. Just look for it on the athletic.com website. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will be back with you next week. Take care. Thank you.